Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Friday Five. Gosh, it's nippy out there, isn't it? Well, I guess that depends on where in the world you are listening to me, of course. A big hi to all my friends overseas, especially in Kenya. Yeah, I know. I have regulars in Laikipia, Nairobi and Lamu, to name a few. So a very big jambosana to you all right now. And you lot certainly have a better temperature than we do here in the UK, that is for sure. But I intend to keep you all warm and toasty now with some positive vibes and helpful information from the wonderful world of well-being wherever in the world you happen to be. Now, you may remember that last year I interviewed the former NHS hospital consultant, the gynaecologist and obstetrician, Dr. Tina Pears, about her work diagnosing histamine intolerance, MCAS, which stands for mast cell activation syndrome, menopause, autoimmune issues, long COVID and more. She's been so helpful for my family. She is one of the key medics actually who has been helping Lily with her autoimmune disease and we have got to know each other quite well and she has been a very busy lady this last year treating so many with long COVID and she has some very interesting research to share here today on the subject in particular its connection to MCAS and ways that we can all better protect ourselves from contracting COVID in the first place and if we are unlucky enough to do so, ways that we can all help make our experience of the disease milder and less likely to suffer any longer term consequences. Well, Tina has a lot to say on the subject, so I suggest you pop the kettle on, grab yourself a pencil and paper to note down some of the many resources she suggests, and settle in for a fascinating listen, starting with a few words about her own daughter's journey and what led her to become such an expert in these multifarious conditions. So, Tina, a very warm welcome back. I'm so thrilled that you were able to find the time because I think you are one of the busiest people on the planet at the moment from looking at your diary. (laughs) Oh, it's lovely to be talking to you again, Liz. I think so many of my colleagues are so busy at the moment. Everybody seems to be incredibly busy. 
Well, and I know you have many strings to your bow because not only do you run the most amazing menopause clinic, but you also work with MCAS and histamine intolerance and long COVID, you know, all of which we'll talk about here. Firstly, a, a big personal thank you to you for helping to diagnose and treat my eldest daughter, Lily, with her autoimmune issue. It really was through you that we discovered and kind of opened up this whole area of histamine intolerance, which I guess like many things, once you start talking about it more and more people go oh yeah well that affects me or maybe this is my my condition how did you first get into discovering you know treating histamine intolerance and, and what is the impact on our lives well it's um it's an interesting story um because it's a very personal story and um, my youngest daughter she uh, has always been quite unwell Jessie um, and she had very severe eczema as a child but she also looked very pale. It wasn't just the eczema and she had a bloaty tummy and she got constipation and she wasn't sort of right. She never seemed quite right, bless her heart. And she never complained and she just got on with it because she thought it was normal to feel like that. Um, and we did our best for her. But every time we took her to see any doctors, we were just told it was her eczema. Um, and then she got sort of more symptoms and more ill we were hoping she'd grow out of it when she went you know at the at um when her period started and um at, at puberty but unfortunately that didn't happen she seemed to get worse um and started to get more symptoms of headaches and lethargy and just exhaustion that would wipe her out um, and then when she was 16 she got swine flu and was incredibly unwell from that for weeks and weeks and weeks she had four weeks of a headache um, couldn't lift her head off the the pill uh, the the, the um, pillow for quite a few days. It was horrendous. And uh, anyway, she then became hypothyroid, and getting her diagnosed and treated for that turned out to be a bit of a mission, um, because it was uh, I don't know there was some resistance at the at the practice um, to do that. But eventually, we went to see a endocrinologist who diagnosed uh, who said she needed 150 micrograms of levothyroxine um, so that was then that sort of helped a bit and then when she was uh, in 2016 so I think she was 23 at that time she um, she then became very very unwell um, and it was because she had be, was so fed up of feeling chronically unwell she decided to do a bit of a health kick and she was superfooding she was blitzing superfoods and drinking the green cocktail and it was all very high histamine foods, but she didn't realise that. Um, it was all healthy stuff, which it is, of course. And she was... Things like avocado yeah, and ava spinach. Yes, and avocados, spinach and everything, tomatoes, they were all in there. And she was drinking this and she was gradually getting iller and iller and iller. And over a, a couple of weeks, she just became so ill. First of all, she thought she had flu because she just ached everywhere. She was swollen. She had asthma. She, her gut was terrible. It was just awful. And then she thought, this isn't flu. It would have gone by now. She was fainting. She had all the POTS type sim symptoms with tachycardia, fainting. Um, she had nausea and vomiting. She had diarrhea, constipation, bloating, abdominal pain. Um, her eczema was getting worse and worse and worse. Um, her body was bloating up with fluid retention. Um, and she, uh, she was it was just terrible. She had about 30 symptoms. And um, and then I she she rang me and said, I I just feel so ill. My face is all swollen, my eyes are swollen, I can't even drink water, my mouth is so sore and cracked up. And I rushed over to get her because she wasn't living at home at that time. Brought her home, and that's when we made the diagnosis because 
it was actually my husband who mentioned oh gosh we, we she hadn't eaten all day and we were trying to give her water through a straw and uh, I said look I'm going to cook you some organic carrots and potatoes and I've got some organic mince lamb and I, this must be very you know I'm not going to add any spices or anything just sit and eat some of this now so she ate some carrot and she was fine and she ate some uh, potato and she was fine and then she put the mincemeat in her mouth and within two seconds and I'm not exaggerating she flushed bright red like we'd set fire to her just by putting the mincemeat in her mouth and um, and she had dermatographism um, which is when you can write on your skin and leave a, a sort of you know the writing shows in in white and lasts about 20 minutes so she she'd had that already and it, you could see her skin was just oh it was awful and my husband said oh it's like she's allergic to the to the mincemeat you know how bizarre is that it's like histamine reaction and when he said histamine it was like a eureka moment because um about 10 years before a friend who's a chiropractor had said to me do you think histamine intolerance could have anything to do with jesse's condition and i looked it up on the internet then and there was nothing and that would have been sort of 2006 2005 and there was nothing it was really difficult to find any information so I, but I just sort of parked it in the back of my head. And when he said histamine again, I rushed to the internet. And of course there was a bit more information this time. So that was, you know, being 2016. So then we could actually, I felt I could, she ticked all the boxes and, um, and the whole picture from, you know, young and post-infection being worse. You know, she had chicken, spine flu, she'd had chicken pox and all this sort of thing. Anyway, got her, um, Tried to, tried to find somebody to treat her, found it very difficult, saw six doctors, most of whom, had, well, all of them had not heard of histamine intolerance. And they were immunologists and allergy specialists and dermatologists and people who you would hope would have known something about it. And then I, um, my lovely friend, Nick Panay at Chelsea Westminster, I, he said to me, how's your daughter? And I said, oh, she's not good at all. It's awful. I'm so worried. I don't know she's definitely got histamine issues it's definitely her mast cells i'm giving her antihistamines but she's not really getting better as fast as i'd like to see it and he said ah i know somebody who's very interested in mast cells the wonderful professor vic kular at st mary's paddington and he said he's a urogynecologist he sees all the patients with interstitial cystitis and he's identified that these women with interstitial cystitis have got mast have got histamine intolerance so I was like, oh, can I speak to him? So we got him on the phone at lunchtime and he literally spent an hour and a half talking to me. He was such a wonderful, lovely man. He is such a lovely, wonderful man. And he was wonderful at that moment. It was exactly what I needed. And we went through the list and he, I said, I think she's got histamine intolerance. And he said, you're absolutely right. And I could have kissed him because I was so relieved to hear that we had a proper diagnosis and that I wasn't barking up the wrong tree, you know. And it's a huge responsibility. Well, that, that's, that's, that's very similar with, with Lily, you know, actually that the relief of having some kind of diagnosis is when you have an autoimmune issue is, yeah. is just extraordinary. It, it's yeah. it's so helpful. And what's the connection then with mast cell activation syndrome? Okay, so, M we, 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 so we started to lower, we lowered her histamine in her diet. We gave her the type one, type two antihistamines. We gave her, um, we gave her those things and she sort of got a bit better, but not really. So, so she, she definitely improved from that terrible acute phase, that poisoned phase. Um, and she actually lost half a stone in two weeks and it was fluid just coming out of her. It was extraordinary. And but, so it took about four weeks to, for her to lose the dermatographism and to start looking more like her normal self um, and to lose the fluid. And then 
she grumbled along and was really, I would say, 80-20. So she was 80% not feeling great, 20% of the time she felt okay. Um, and it was the wrong way round, really. And it, and that's when, after a couple of years of that, um, I said to Vikula at one of her appointments, I said, I think, I think she's got muscle activation, actually. I think there's more to it than just the histamine because we're lowering the histamine. She's not drink, eating anything with histamine in it. And he said, I think you're, you're right. I think it's MCAS. Um, he said, I'm seeing, I'm making that diagnosis more and more in my patients with histamine issues. So we know it's about 3% of the population have poor histamine metabolism. But um, we also know about 17% of the population have mast cell activation syndrome. Um, 17% have MCAS. That's yeah. very high. Yeah. Something that none of us have really heard about. Let's talk about MCAS. What exactly is it? And, you know, do we need to be concerned if 17% of us could be yes. having it or suffering from it? So our mast cells are part of our immune system. They're a very important part. They're the sort of first bit that any infection uh, would be um, sort of up against. So they're like the sort of bouncers in a, in a nightclub. They're just inside the gut wall. They're just inside uh, the endothelium of the lungs in the um, mouth and no nasal passages and so on and under our skin. So they're poised, ready to defend the body, basically. Um, so we all have these mast cells and they're all terribly important. But about 17% of the population have dysfunctional mast cells, which overreact and trigger too easily um, and to things that they should just be ignoring. Now, the KIT genes are the genes that um, are influential and important for mast cell formation. And over 50 mutations have been identified in the KIT genes, which can lead to mast cell dysfunction. And pe so people will have um, different degrees of those mutations potentially. So some, you know, one person might have one and another might have a different combination. And that will determine, we think, how severe their mast cell activation dysfunction is. And um, so what happens is with these patients, um, and this estimate of 17% comes from a study in Germany, um, is that their bodies get uh, start triggering very easily and the mast cells release histamine and over a thousand different chemicals into the body, which then set up a few other chemical reactions. Now, the, the, the um, cytokines that they release, some of them are incredibly potent and powerful uh, chemicals, and they can have effects that are very helpful if you've got an infection, but not great if you haven't. And, um, and they could, uh, they cause inflammation, uh, they, like the histamine causes inflammation, it causes vasodilatation, so there's a drop in blood pressure, um, and various other things. So um, if it's all well and good if you if they behave appropriately, but if they're triggering and releasing all these cytokines and chemokines um, into the system when there's a very small stimulus that they should just really be ignoring, like walking from a warm room into a cold room or smelling somebody's perfume um, or uh, whatever, then that's going to cause issues and causes hyperinflammation. And as a, as a clinician, what we see in the patients is um, these sort of varying um, symptoms of inflammation in different systems in the body. So it won't be necessarily they only ever have cardiac issues, but they will usually have inflammation in the gut, 
which can result in leaky gut and a change in the microbiome. Um, it can result in shortness of breath, so they get swelling and inflammation in the lining of their lungs. Um, they might also get hives and urticaria, itchy skin, um, the, uh, and so on. So histamine in the body um, also affects our circadian rhythms. So often patients get very, it becomes real insomniacs. They find it really difficult to sleep. Um, which of course is really and that, that could be down to histamine I've got friends who have terrible insomnia and that could be a connection with histamine, histamine yes and also brain fog because it's important for cognitive function um, and so you know if there's any inflammation in the brain from this and it's very difficult for people to think <laughs> and to remember things right. and so on so a lot of patients talk about brain fog they talk about fatigue because when your immune system is on red alert like that the whole time it's exhausting mm, um, and absolutely and then two, two things I want to ask you just very quickly here mm. um is sneezing a sign of a histamine reaction i know that sometimes if i eat something i immediately sneeze yes Would i, I think a... it is I, I have so many of my patients who say that um really? and they they sneeze and sneeze and sneeze and definitely um it's it's when they come across something that's triggering them their mast cells and has released interesting interesting self self-diagnosis there i shall watch yeah. out i should start making a yes, record what, every time what I been close to something. yes yeah, what it was. And then secondly, you talk about cytokines. And obviously, we hear with COVID talk about the cytokine storm yes. and that being the, the deadly thing that that, yeah. that tells to, to, you know, to lead to death. Is that cytokine storm then, is it going to be triggered, do you think, by people with MCAS? It, that those with MCAS, are they more likely to, to die or, well, or even that, contract COVID? That's a very, very good question, Liz, because actually there is a, a theory that's been put together by three of the top, top MCAS doctors in the world, um, that it, this could well be the case. And they wrote an excellent paper, and I'd really recommend it to people. It's um, It was published on the, the, 7th, uh, the 10th of September, 2020, and it was in the International Journal of Infectious Diseases. And it's a paper by Dr. Afrin, Weinstock and Moulderings. And they wrote about um, MCAS and could this be the cause of the hyperinflammation in the patients who have difficulty um, with COVID because not everybody who catches COVID has difficulty with it. And in many people, they can be asymptomatic or very minor symptoms and get over it very quickly. Um, and in fact, this is uh, substantiated by a study from Cambridge um, that Bergamaschi and et al did and um, in this study they looked at long Covid and they said they felt that long Covid was established early on in the Covid in infection, the original Covid infection and they looked at the immune response of patients who just got over the COVID and didn't have long COVID. And it was a very different immune response to that that they saw, um, to that which they saw in the patients who had long COVID. So their immune cells weren't responding in the same way. And in the patients who got over the COVID quickly, their, um, their immune cells, their T cells and their B cells went back to normal very quickly. Whereas in the long COVID patients, they didn't get back to normal. And um, they was, there was very slow resolution, if at all. And it, it said, you know, they didn't all resolve and go back to how they should have been. So that suggests to me that that backs up the Afrin paper, which talks about, um, and it is about 17% of the population who ha might have, uh, you know, be more ill with COVID. Um, and wow. So that would fit with the MCAS picture too. And it's the hyperinflammation yeah. we know. And the, the, the cytokines, there can be heparin in there, which causes bruising and bleeding. But there are also some clotting 
um, pro-inflammatory uh, sort of clotting factors that are released, cytokines, that promote clotting in the body. And we know in very severe COVID patients who are in ITU um, and some post-mortems that have been done, they've had both um, bleeding and clotting present. So again, that seems to fit with that picture. So it's, it's we don't have all the answers, but I think it's worth trying treating acute COVID people, patients with the treatment for MCAS as soon as they catch it so that you could catch the ones who've got, who are in the 17% and dampen down their hyperinflammation straight away um, and, uh, and therefore hopefully improve their outcomes. How can we tell whether we've got MCAS, whether we're carrying it and perhaps unaware? Well, usually, um, in, when I opened the long COVID clinic, this was one of the questions I wanted to ask, answer was, how, out of the long COVID patients, how many of them had a previous history suggestive of untreated and unrecognised MCAS? And I've treated over 100 patients so far, and I'd say out of, the, out of 100, only two had no previous history. So everyone else had a previous history to suggest that they had MCAS. Now, that will vary depending on their mutations, how severe it is. So in some people, it's minor. It's a few allergies, um, you know, a childhood history of eczema, um, bad reaction to insect bites, maybe um, being a bit of rosacea as they get older. So it could be mild like that, but it could also be in some patients, it was, you know, severe IBS or even mild IBS with chronic headaches and undiagnosed hives, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, so there was a whole spectrum of patients who I've seen who had a pretty um, reasonable profiles that fitted with MCAS, uh, fairly convincing profiles of MCAS, who then had long COVID and they respond really well to the treatment for MCAS, which also makes you think, well, that must be right then. <laughs> <You know. laughs> so what is the treatment for, for MCAS? So the treatment is to unfortunately go on a low histamine diet because the, the body is constantly trying to keep histamine in balance. And when you've got mast cells that are overproducing histamine all the time, your body has to get rid of it. And if you're then eating a lot of high histamine foods, um, that can cause issues because you're just overload, adding more to the system that's already overloaded. Now, um, many of the patients will have normal histamine metabolism, but it's just there's just too much histamine for it to cope. Some three percent of the population, at least, will have poor histamine metabolism, in which case it's a double whammy for them. So they've got you know too much histamine production and very poor destruction metabolism and so they're going to you know have more inflammation so having a low histamine diet for everybody is helpful so they all have to do that um not necessarily easy but doable i'm on a low histamine diet and i i'm constantly trying to think up new ways of you know cooking things and keeping them interesting and delicious and lovely and i have you know very healthy good diet um it has to be very very fresh yes. doesn't it i know when Lily's here, you know, she'll go to the fishmonger, for example, yeah. and she'll say, you know, how fresh is this fish? And they'll say, oh, it's super fresh. You know, it was caught, landed yesterday. It's, it's here. You know, it's all fresh. And, she'll, and she says, well, I can't have that yeah. because it starts to break down and produce histamine the moment yeah. it's been caught. So she will only eat fish where it says it was frozen at sea. Yes. So the minute it's caught and flash frozen, she knows that that will have, be safe for her Brilliant. in terms of histamine She's, levels. So yeah. It's quite... It's quite an interesting sort of detective work exercise. And you know, she won't eat, um, you know, aged meat, no. for example, no. because, again, it, it's, it's that aging process yes. or aged cheese. But if something is super fresh, yeah. you know, literally, yeah. 
I don't know, like supposing it was some game or something that had literally, you know, just yeah. been shot that afternoon or, or a piece of burrata cheese that had literally just been made fresh yeah. and there was no issue of ageing or, or histamine. And unfortunately, I can't give her kefir or yoghurt no. or fermented, you know, kombucha, nothing like that no. because it's all high in histamine, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. So, yeah, so we she's she's doing the right thing. Uh, sea frozen fish, perfect. There's a, there's a piece of steak called the hanger steak. And if you can get your butcher to give you the hanger steak, that is literally frozen or um, uh, sold on the day of slaughter. So it hasn't hung at all, really? but it's really fresh, you know, lovely and tender. And usually the butchers apparently take that bit home for their family because it doesn't need, yeah. doesn't need to be hung. <laughs> and it's lovely. But actually, there are some... It's called a ha hanger, like, hanger. Like, what, like, like a coat hanger. Yes, yes. Which is hanger. slightly hanger. counterintuitive, isn't it? Um, so it's, it has it hasn't been hasn't hung, been hung age, but it's called hanger it's steak. Not non non hung. Yeah. It's called hanger steak. Okay, exactly. very interesting. That, well, I should look into that. Yes, Thank absolutely. Uh, yeah. So so she's doing all the right things. So one has to be on a low histamine diet, and then take type mm -hmm. one and type two antihistamines. And it's a question of finding out which ones work for you best, and it will be different for different people. So um, the, there are ones that you can buy over the counter, which is a good place to start. But they will say loratadine and cetirizine, it will say 10 milligrams once a day. And um, usually we, I'm prescribing it three, um, three times a day, at least, or at least twice a day, but usually three times a day. So, um, right. and it's, it's important to try one, do it for a couple of weeks, see if you think it's helpful. Try, then try maybe loratadine and then try cetirizine and do the same thing. And then try fexofenadine. You can buy that up to 120 milligrams over the counter and see if that's helpful and then decide which one is the best one and stick with that. Um, similarly, the type two antihistamines, in some patients, they are game changers and in some patients, they make no difference. So we, but we have to try them because we don't know yet. The research hasn't been done to show how we can tell. Um, and unfortunately, the kit mutations are not available. The genetics of that are not available commercially at the moment. So we can't sort of start to build a picture of these mutations will respond to this and you know etc which would be helpful right that's worked for the future hopefully, but um hopefully. yeah so then yeah. and then i asked them to take a mast cell stabilizer now usually i give ketotifen or rupatidine which are prescribable but you can buy quercetin over the counter and i was just about to ask you about mm. quercetin I'm, I'm reading a lot about mm. it and i took it all during the summer because I normally get really bad hay fever and I normally have to take antihistamines yes. um, and even, you know, steroid sprays and that to, to control my symptoms. And I, I was recommended quercetin and I took it all the way through the summer and it was brilliant. Yeah. I didn't didn't take any any medication whatsoever and I had no symptoms. Yeah, I know. So how, how does quercetin work? What is it's it? It's a mast cell stabiliser. So it actually, it? yes. So it's it's a, a over-the-counter supplement that works as a mast cell stabilizer. So I'd recommend this to everybody, especially with with COVID around. Um, it it's uh, it's part of the uh, what we would recommend for MCAS. And if you are if Dr. Afrin's theory is correct, then it would be sensible for us all to be on it just in case we're in that 17%. And especially patients, um, people who've got a history of any IBS or food intolerances, um, hay fever, eczema, psoriasis, rosacea, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, um, POTS, um, uh, hypermobility. 
interstitial cystitis, any of those things which fit with the MCAS picture, um, you know, it would be sensible for them to be on quercetin at this time. What, what is interstitial cystitis compared to normal cystitis? That's a term that I haven't heard. Oh, so interstitial cystitis is a very low grade um, uh, infection in the bladder, where, which actually becomes part of the bladder wall. So you get little colonies of bacteria growing inside the bladder wall, and that's why it's called interstitial. So instead of just being in the in the um, urine and uh, in the urinary tract in that way, um, this these colonies actually become part of the bladder wall, and. Generally, people who have histamine intolerance have thickened bladder walls. When we scan them, they have bladder walls of four millimeters thick, whereas usually it's sort of, you know, only two millimeters maximum. And um, and so they have thickened bladder walls. And maybe this gives them a propensity to um, a predisposition to these Back colonies forming and growing in the wall. I'm not the expert. Vic Kula is the person to ask about this. But so it, it takes... You, yeah, it's, it can go grumble on and on and on. And often... Yes. And how do we fix it then? Well, we fix it with antibiotics. But the problem is when urine samples are sent off, sometimes they come back with some of these bacteria growing. And they are reported by the laboratory as being commensal bacteria, which means normal bacteria that we expect to see. Um, and they um, can also be, come back as con obviously contaminated. We've disregarded this sample. So it has to be a very special view that um, some, you know, uh, test that's done on the sample. So they have to look at it under a microscope, not just dip it and all that sort of thing. And um, and then they have to identify the different bacteria that are there and know that they're looking for interstitial cystitis. So I think a lot of it is the diagnosis is missed very often. Uh, and then they need the right antibiotic, depending on what's identified. Um, I mean, some poor women are plagued with it, you know, terrible. And it usually goes with MCAS. It's usually part of the diagnosis, actually. How um, interesting. So to treat it, you would treat it with antibiotics yes. and then you would maintain it yeah. with a low histamine diet? Yes. And also um, there are some things you can take which are uh, probiotics for the bladder and the vagina, actually. So there's a, an excellent company called Invivo Healthcare and they have um, a, a, a preparation that's for the microbiome of the bladder and the vagina. And a, mm, a lot of my patients have found that enough. very helpful. So you, mm. you keep the right healthy bacteria there and they keep the others away. <laughs> Same old story. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of treating long COVID and, and you've you know become a, a bit of an expert, and I remember talking to you, it was probably this time last year, I think were you devising a protocol for UCL to be looking at for, for long COVID patients? Well, no, UCL, how, how, how... Yeah, UCL were actually forming their own and they were going to do some research um, into long COVID. I'm not sure how far they've gotten come along with that that was dr paul glynn was heading up that at ucl it'll be very interesting to see what their findings are um but they were taking he was taking the same approach as i was um in giving antihistamines um and um i don't think he was he was the nhs that nhs wasn't allowing him to give the marcel stabilizers i don't think uh don't quote me on that but i know he want he was looking at trying to do that um, and um, and and he was having good success with that too. So they were sort of you know doing the same similar thing to me, and they were going to do some research in it, which so be very interesting to see when that comes out. What it is, but what I'm very excited about is when I started this 
clinic a year ago. Nobody'd heard of MCAS or histamine intolerance really. Very few people, and um, in you know the public um, domain. And now, as of the last three four months, I have got so many people who new patients um, or people contacting me who seem to have heard about it, have researched it, and are um, talking about it, which is fantastic. And most gratifying of all, we've got cardiologists, rheumatologists, dermatologists, immunologists also talking about it now, which is fabulous. So that gives me great hope that um, one of the silver linings, I suppose, that's come from long COVID um, is that it's put MCAS on the map, you know. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It has, hasn't it? And where can we go to find out more about it? Um, about uh, MCAS. Yes, let, let, let's look at MCAS okay, first, so and then I, and let's look specifically at long COVID. Okay, so one of the best one of, uh, in June, I put together an international conference on treating long COVID because I felt we knew enough to try and I had enough experience and other people had enough experience treating it to try and pull that together so that people could see what the latest thinking was. And um, and it was in it was in June and it was called the TLC conference treat long COVID. And I've got my website still up and running with the lectures on there. Um, and that's treatlongcovid.com. Um, and so one of the one of the big excuses uh, for having the conference was one one of the reasons was I wanted to get Dr. Afrin um, in front of an audience talking about mm. MCAS. And he did the most fabulous lecture, which is on that treatlongcovid.com website. And um, and people can have a look at that. And I would say that would be the first thing to watch is he's an absolute 
world expert um, as far as one can be because it is a very new um, really yes. described condition and it need, we need a lot more um, you know research and information on it but that will come but it's so wonderful to hear what we know now being presented by the man who really knows so um, that's Dr Lawrence Afrin lecture is on there I think it's a good place to start there's Dr Bruce Hoffman has an excellent website and he puts loads and loads of articles he writes loads of articles about you know, MCAS and excipients and uh, treatments and food and all sorts of things. So that's a really good resource um, as well for people. Um, and on my website, I've got, I've put together a histamine fact sheet about the menopause and histamine um, because that can cause real issues for women. Um, they, you know, maybe they have a bit of IBS, a few sort of things that suggest they've got MCAS, which are they cope with very well. For decades and then they get to the perimenopause when their estrogen starts to fluctuate wildly um, and there are estrogen receptors on the mast cells and when the estrogen goes sky high it overstimulates the mast cells which then release um, histamine and the cytokines and cause lots of symptoms so often these poor women their symptoms become much worse during the perimenopause Gosh, it's all so fascinating. And these interconnections between MCAS, histamine, perimenopause, menopause, COVID, long COVID, the immune system. I mean, it, it is really fascinating. Mm. What about more broadly, as, as we are living in these times with COVID ongoing and long COVID, what about nutritional support and help? You know, what what as a doctor is your view on that? And are there any resources out there that can we can get good information? Yes. From? So it's really important that patients, uh, people, not patients, people take um, responsibility for their own health, I think, and um, are as fit and as healthy as possible. And that's all our response, our own responsibility, really, isn't it? And there are certain things that one can do to boost your immune system. So exercise is really good. Losing weight is very important. 74% of those who sadly died from COVID have been obese. Um, so that's a very... 74%? 74%. Yeah, so it's a very important that's risk factor. High. Very important yeah. risk factor. Um, you know, so being as fit and as healthy and also low vitamin D. Now, when I check vitamin D levels in all my menopause ladies, I would say 95% of them have low or uh, completely deficient vitamin D, which is really concerning because vitamin D is, is very important for our immune systems. Um, and it seems to have some sort of antiviral properties as well, actually, they're now talking about. Um, and so making sure everybody is on vitamin D is a very basic, simple thing that can be done by every single family in the country. Um, yes. And because uh, we, we just basically don't have enough, quite, quite if you if you haven't noticed, quite enough sunshine, and it's not quite strong I enough. <laughs> I mean, it's, this is a worry, and and the, this information is known. So yes. why bodies like Public Health England are not just saying? I don't. Know. By the way, guys, know. you know, can, can we give you all some vitamin yes, D, please? It would be so and, and please, you know, watch your weight. Can we, you know, give you some some good dietary yeah, guidelines I, and, and be promoting that? That taking... would be helpful. That would be helpful, and also, you know. For people to take vitamin C, which helps right. um, hugely as well. Um, then we've got so we've got vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc is very important. Um, NAC is very important. Um, what is NAC? NAC is N-acetylcysteine, 
and it's um it's makes it is made in the body to glutathione which is one of the strongest antioxidants we have oh. so it helps the body stay yes yeah, one of my favorites you know fantastic. i love glutathione yeah. i take it every night fantastic so you can take nac or glutathione mm. and um and it's really important all of these things are so important everyone can do them so we can all get fitter and healthier we can all make sure that we're taking the right vitamins and minerals i would recommend a good multivitamin mineral tablet I would take vitamin C and D on top of that and zinc on top of that um, and NAC. Um, and I would also take uh, selenium, which you, you can have as four Brazil nuts every day, which is delicious. Um, I have my Brazil yeah. nuts. I have my jar of Brazil. And what about quercetin? You yes. talk about quercetin. And I would take quercetin. I would take quercetin whilst we're going to go into the winter now. Um, and there's quite a lot of viruses around, not just coronavirus. I would take quercetin. I'd take 500 milligrams three times a day. Um, and I also would make sure I've got some antihistamines in the cupboard. And what we've done, actually, we formed a, a, a health organization for people to be able to turn to called the World Council for Health. And this is a fascinating new project that I'm involved in. Um, and it, um, it's, it's worldcouncilforhealth.org. And on there, it talks about exactly what we're just talking about, Liz, now, how to take responsibility for your health, how to be fit and healthy, what to how to boost your family's immune system, um, what to have in the cupboard. So if you caught acute COVID, for example, what would be sensible to take, such as aspirin as well. Um, you know, maybe really yeah. interesting, presumably for the blood clotting. Yes, absolutely. In right. your blood um, and uh, and so on. So there's, there's a lot of information that is evidence based and scientific on that website. Um, and it was it's lovely for people to have one place they can go to. <laughs> because there's so much disparate pieces of information all over the place it's very difficult for people very confusing for the public to know what's reliable information where to find you know good information and to have to have it presented in the way that we've presented it on the world council for health website i think is hugely helpful i hope yeah brilliant and presumably you'll find lots of other links on that as well and you yes know, you can really sort of read up yes. on, on all sorts of areas of, of, of what's happening and, and stay current because it, it yeah. presumably it's something that if it's fairly new that is being updated all the time. That, absolutely and in fact if people um, sign up for the newsletter that's the best thing to do because then you get sent new information as and when it becomes available um, so oh, you great. make sure you're not oh, missing out on any latest yeah. data you know <laughs> so it's really important latest you know thoughts about how to how to be fit and healthy and what to do. So all good stuff, yeah. all good stuff, empowering stuff. Excellent. Yes. Empowering. Yeah, empowering. I think that's the great thing. Yeah. I think it's so easy isn't it, to feel so anxious and overwhelmed and yeah. that we can't actually, you know, do much to help. But I think, you know, to give us the tools yeah. and once we feel better and fitter and stronger. And then, of course, we're more able to help others, which is absolutely. Which is really and, you know, that was one of our main goals is to have a very positive, upbeat website, which I'm sure people will find when they look at it. That is it's trying to uh, because you know, being frightened isn't going to be helpful. And, um, and it's just going to sort of, you know, um, paralyze people. <laughs> and, and actually, we need people to, uh, the information is, is power and reassuring and to, to feel you can take some control and that, you know, what you can control is your daily uh, routine um, and your in, intake of vitamins and minerals and staying fit and healthy, losing weight, if that's what you need to do, stopping smoking, all of these things are hugely important but and people can do it i i you know it's good for them not to feel so disempowered really mm. 
Brilliant. Power to the people. Absolutely. Dr. Tina Pierce. <laughs> Thank you. It's such a pleasure. I hope that it won't be another year before we talk again. I've so enjoyed talking to you. And again, a huge personal thank you for everything that you're doing for Lily. And it's really lovely to be able to spread the word. And I know a lot of listeners here will take on board what you say and they will share this widely, which is really what we want to happen as well, so that we can help as many people as possible to stay as well as possible for as long as possible. So thank you. It's my pleasure, Liz. Thank you for asking me. Oh, all fascinating stuff, yes. And um, we will pop links to those resources that Dr. Piers mentioned, the main one being the worldcouncilforhealth.org. And the recording of the conference she mentioned can also be found at treatlongcovid.com where you can also see and hear these other medics speaking too. Now, in other news, there have been worrying reports continuing of the ineffectiveness of the oestrogen gel packed in pumps and made by Besson's Healthcare, the one called Oestrogel. As regular listeners will now know, this seems to be an ongoing issue with this particular gel form of HRT not working in some cases to relieve symptoms. And this email just in from Caroline, who says, Hi, I just wanted to share my experience of the Oestrogel, which has recently changed its packaging slightly. There is no over-labeling, but the design has changed. I've taken HRT for three and a half years, and the results have been life-changing. Within two months of using the new-look Oestrogel, practically all my symptoms have returned, apart from hot flushes. I have insomnia, stiff joints and muscles, dry eyes, leg cramps, anxiety, tinnitus and vertigo, all of which I used to suffer from just over three years ago, but vanished within three months of taking HRT. Initial conversation with GP and dispenser about it has come back as, quote, it's exactly the same gel, unquote, but I know something has changed. I appreciate that you can't offer advice, but I just wanted to report my experience with you in case it is affecting others too. Many thanks, Caroline. Well, thank you very much indeed, Caroline, for sharing that. There have been many, many reports coming in across social media. I have been monitoring it along with other medics like Dr. Zoe Hodson, who, of course, is the Manchester Menopause Hive on Instagram. And you're right, of course, I can't offer medical advice, but I can suggest that you check. Obviously, it isn't overlabeled estradose. You say it isn't. But if anybody else is in that position, do please check for overlabeling. Then speak to your GP and you could consider changing to either the Lenzetto spray, the Sandrina estrogen gel, which comes in sachets, or HRT patches instead, all of which are available on the NHS. And do please, please report this on the MHRA Yellow Card app. This is free and easy to download. I know the actual reporting process is a bit of a faff, but it is so important. And that goes, of course, for reporting adverse reactions and side effects of any drug, any medication, vaccination or medical treatment whatsoever. It really is important that all side effects are monitored and reported. Well, in better news, I picked up this lovely comment over on iTunes. Don't forget, you can leave comments on this podcast over there. And this is from Bizzo. 
left on the 31st of October, who writes to say, I have been suffering from many menopausal symptoms for years and just soldiered on regardless, looking after the family and not prioritising my own needs. Having listened to Liz and her guests, I feel enabled to do whatever it takes to get some help. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Bizzo. I hope I pronounced that correctly. It's lovely to hear from you and lovely to think that my team and I may have been somewhat helpful in your journey to good health and happiness. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Enabling, empowering, sharing. Knowledge is power after all. And so on that positive and empowered note, I wish you all a very happy weekend if you're listening in real time. A great week ahead. Stay warm, go well, and I'll see you back here next time. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 